Section 5 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chao Xujin, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 27, Part 1. In the Ditui Pavilion, Bao Chai diverts herself with the multicolored butterflies. Over the mound where the flowers had been interred, Dai Yu bewails their withered blue. Lin Dai Yu, we must explain in taking up the thread of our narrative, was disconsolately bathed in tears. When her ear was suddenly attracted by the creak of the court gate, and arise by the appearance of Bao Chai beyond the threshold. Bao Yu, Ji Ren, and the whole posse of inmates then walked out. She felt inclined to go up to Bao Yu and ask him a question, but dreading that if she made any inquiries in the presence of such a company, Bao Yu would be put to the blush and placed in an awkward position. She slipped aside and allowed Bao Chai to prosecute her way and it was only Bao Yu and the rest of the party had entered and closed the gate behind them that she at last issued from her retreat. Then, fixing her gaze steadfastly on the gateway, she dropped a few tears. But, inwardly conscious of their utter futility, she retraced her footsteps and wended her way back into her apartment. And, with heavy heart and despondent spirits, she divested herself of the remainder of her habiliments. Ji Jun and Xu Yan were well aware, from the experience they had reaped in past days, that Lin Dai Yu was, in the absence of anything to occupy her mind, prone to sit and mop, and that if she did not frown her eyebrows, she anyway heaved deep sighs. But they were quite at a loss to divine why she was with no rhyme or reason, ever so ready to indulge to herself in inexhaustible gushes of tears. At first, there were such as still endeavoured to afford her solace, or who, suspecting lest she brooded over the memory of her father and mother, felt homesick or aggrieved through some offence given her, tried by every persuasion to console and cheer her. But as contrary to all expectations, she subsequently persisted time and again in this dull mood. Through each succeeding month and year, people got accustomed to her eccentricities and did not extend to her the least sympathy. Hence it was that no one, on this occasion, troubled her mind about her, but letting her sit and sulk to her heart's content. They one and all turned in and went to sleep. Lin Dayu leaned against the railing of the bed, clasping her knees with both hands, her eyes suffused with tears. She looked, in very truth, like a carved wooden image or one fashioned of mud. There she sat straight up to the second watch, even later when she eventually fell asleep. The whole night nothing remarkable transpired. The morrow was the 26th day of the fourth month. Indeed, on this day at 1 p.m. commenced the season of the sprouting seeds, and, according to an old custom, 
on the day on which this feast of sprouting seeds fell everyone had to lay all kinds of offering and sacrificial viands on the altar of the god of flowers soon after the expiry of this season of sprouting seeds follows summer tide and all plants in general then wither and the gods of flowers resigns his throne it is compulsory to feast him at some entertainment previous to his departure in the ladies apartments this custom was observed with still more rigor and for this reason the various inmates of the park of broad vista had without a single exception got up at an early hour the young people either twisted flowers and willow twigs in such a way as to represent chairs and horses or make tufted banners with damask brocaded gauze and silk and bound them with variegated threads these articles of decorations were alike attached on every tree and plant and throughout the whole expanse of the park embroidered sashes waved to and fro and ornamented branches nodded their heads about in addition to this the members of the family were clad in such fineries that they put the peach tree to shame made the almond yield the palm the swallow envious and the hawk to blush we could not therefore exhaustively describe them within our limited space of time Bao Chai, Ying Chun, Tan Chun, Si Chun, Li Wan, Lady Feng, and other girls, as well as Da Jie, Xiang Ling, and the waiting maids, were one and all, we will now notice, in the garden enjoying themselves. The only person who could not be seen was Lin Da Yu. How is it, consequently, inquired Ying Chun, that I don't see Cousin Lin? What a lazy girl! Is she forsooth fast asleep? even at this late hour of the day we all of you here rejoined bao chai and i will go and shake her up and bring her with these words she speedily left her companions and repaired straightway into the Xiang lodge while she was going on her errand she met wen kun and the rest of the girls twelve in all on their way to seek the party drawing near they inquired after her health after exchanging a few commonplace remarks, Bao Chai turned round and pointing, said, You will find them all in there. You had better go and join them. As for me, I am going to fetch Miss Lin. But I will be back soon. Saying this, she followed the winding path, then came to the Xiaoshang Lodge. Upon suddenly raising her eyes, she saw Bao Yu walk in. Bao Chai immediately halted and lowering her head she gave way to meditation for a time bao yu and lin dai yu she reflected have grown up together from their very infancy but cousins though they be there are many instances in which they cannot evade suspicion for they joke without heeding propriety and at one time they are friends and at another at daggers drawn dai yu has moreover always been full of envy and has ever displayed a peevish disposition so were i to follow him in at this juncture why pao yu would in the first place not feel at ease and in the second tai yu would give way to jealousy better therefore for me to turn back at the close of this train of thought she retraced her steps but 
Just as she was starting to join her other cousins, she unexpectedly decried. Ahead of her, a pair of jade-colored butterflies of the size of a circular fan. Now they soared high, now they make a swoop down in their flight against the breeze, much to her amusement. Bao Tai felt a wish to catch them for mere fun's sake, so producing a fan from inside her sleeve, she descended on to the turfed ground to flap them with it. The two butterflies suddenly were seen to rise, suddenly to drop, sometimes to come, and others to go, just as they were on the point of flying across the stream to the other side. The enticement proved too much for Bao Chai, and she pursued them on tiptoe straight up to the Di Tui pavilion, nesting on the bank of the pond, while fragrant perspiration dripped drop by drop, and her sweet breath panted gently. But Bao Chai abandoned the idea of catching them, and was about to beat a retreat, when all at once she overheard in the pavilion the chatter of people engaged in conversation. This pavilion had, it must be added, a veranda and six sack balustrades running all round. It was erected over the water in the center of a point, and had on the four sides window frames of carved woodwork, stuffed with paper. So when Bao Chai caught from without the pavilion the sound of voices, she at once stood still and lent an attentive ear to what was being said. Look at this handkerchief, she overheard. If it's really the one you've lost, well then keep it. But if it isn't, you must return it to Mr. Yuan. To be sure, it is my own, another party observed. Bring it along and give it to me. What reward will you give me? She further heard. Is it likely that I've searched all for nothing? I've long ago promised to recompense you. And, of course, I won't play you false, someone again rejoined. I found it and brought it round, also reached her ear, and you naturally will recompensate me. But won't you give anything to the person who picked it up? Don't talk nonsense, the other party added. He belongs to a family of gentlemen, and anything of ours he may pick up is his bounden duty to restore to us. What reward could you have me give him? If you don't reward him, she heard someone continue, what will I be able to tell him? Besides, he enjoined me time after time that if there was to be no recompense, I was not to give it to you. A short pause ensued. Never mind, then came out again to her. Take these things of mine and present it to him, and have done. But do you mean to let the cat out of the bag with anyone else? You should take some oath. If I tell anyone, she likewise overheard. May an ulcer grow on my mouth, and may I, in course of time, die an unnatural death. Aya was the reply she heard. Our minds are merely bent upon talking, but someone might come and quietly listen from outside. Wouldn't it be as well to push all the Venetians open? Anyone seeing us in here will then imagine that we are simply chatting about nonsense. Besides, should they approach, we shall be able to observe them and at once stop our conversation. Bao Chai listened to these words from outside, with a heart full of astonishment. How can one wonder, she argued mentally, if all those lewd and dishonest people who have lived from olden times to the present 
have devised such thorough artifices. But were they now to open and see me here, won't they feel ashamed? Moreover, the voice in which those remarks were uttered resembles very much that of Honor attached to Pao Yu's rooms, who has all along shown a sharp eye and a shrewd mind. She's an artful and perverse thing of the first class, and as I have now overheard her peccadilloes, and a person in despair rebels as sure as a dog in distress jumps over the wall. Not only will trouble arise, but I too shall derive no benefit. It would be better at present, therefore, for me to lose no time in retiring. But as I fear, I may be in time to get out of the way. The only alternative for me is to make use of some art like that of the cicada, which can divert itself of his exuvi. She had scarcely brought her reflections to a close before a sound of Geji reached her ears. Pao Chai purposely hastened to treat with heavy step. Ping Er, I see where you are hiding, she cried out laughingly, and as she shouted, she pretended to be running ahead in pursuit of her. As soon as Xiao Hong and Jue Er pushed the windows open from inside the pavilion, they heard Pao Chai screaming while rushing forward, and both fell into a state of trepidation from the fright they sustained. Bao Chai turned round and faced them. Where have you been hiding Miss Lin? she smiled. We have seen anything of Miss Lin, retorted Juyer. I was just now, proceeded Bao Chai, on that side of the pool, and discerned Mr. Lin squatting down over there and playing with the water. I managed to have gently given her a start, but scarcely had I walked up to her when she saw me, and with a detour towards the east, she at once vanished from sight. So mayn't she be concealing herself in there? As she spoke, she designedly stepped in and searched about for her. This over, she betook herself away, adding, she's certain to have got again into that cave in the hill, and come across a snake, which must have bitten her and put an end to her. So saying, she distanced them, feeling again very much amused. I have managed, she thought, to ward off this piece of business, but I wonder what those two think about it. Xiao Hong, who would have anticipated, readily credited as gospel the remarks she heard Bao Chai make. But allowing just time enough to Bao Chai to got to a certain distance, she instantly drew chair to her. Dreadful she observed. Miss Lin was squatting in here and must for certainty have overheard what we said before she left. Obed Chair listened to her words. She kept her own counsel for a long time. What's to be done? Xiaohong consequently exclaimed. Even supposing she did overhear what we said, rejoined Chair by way of answer, why should she meddle in what does not concern her? Everyone should mind her own business. Had it been Miss Bao, it would not have mattered, remarked Xiao Hong. But Miss Lin delights in telling mean things of people, and is besides so petty minded. Should she have heard and anything perchance comes to light, what will we do? During their colloquy, they noticed Wen Guan, Xiang Ling, Xi Chi, Xi Shu, and the other girls enter the pavilion. So they were compelled to drop the conversation 
and to play and laugh with them. They then espied Lady Feng standing on the top of the hillock, waving her hand, beckoning to Xiao Hong. Hurriedly, therefore, leaving the company, she ran up to Lady Feng and with a smile heaped upon smile. My lady, she inquired, what is it that you want? Lady Feng scrutinized her for a time, observing how spruce and pretty she was in looks, and how genial in her speech. She felt prompted to give her a smile. My own waiting maid, she said, hasn't followed me in here today, and as I've just this moment bethought myself of something and would like to send someone on an errand, I wonder whether you're fit to undertake the charge and deliver a message faithfully. Don't hesitate in entrusting me with any message you may have to send, replied Xiao Hong with a laugh. I readily go and deliver it. Should I not do so faithfully and blunder in fulfilling your business, my lady, you may visit me with any punishment your ladyship may please, and I'll have nothing to say. What young lady's serpent are you? smiled Lady Feng. Tell me, so that when she comes back after I've sent you out and looks for you, I may be able to tell her about you. I'm attached to our master Secundus, Mr. Bao's rooms, answered Xiao Hong. Ayah, ejaculated Lady Feng as soon as she heard these words. Are you really in Bao Yu's rooms? How strange. Yet it comes to the same thing. Well, if he asks for you, I'll tell him where you are. Go now to our house and tell your sister Ping that she will find on the table in the outer apartment and under the stand with the plate from the Lu Kiln a bundle of silver that it contains the 120 tails for the embroiderer's wages and that when Zhang Chai's wife comes the money should be handed to her to take away after having been weighed in her presence and been given to her to tally. Another thing too I want in the inner apartment and at the head of the bed, you will find a small purse. Bring it along to me. Xiao Hong listened to her orders and then started to carry them out. On her return in a short while, she discovered that Lady Feng was not on the hillock, but perceiving Si Qi egress from the cave and stand still to tie her petticoat. She walked up to her. Sister, do you know where our Lady Secunda is gone to? She asked. I didn't notice, rejoined Si Qi. At this reply, Xiao Hong turned around and cast a glance on all four quarters. Seeing Tan Chen and Bao Chai standing by the bank of the pond on the opposite side and looking at the fish, Xiao Hong advanced up to them. Young ladies, she said, straining a smile, do you perchance have any idea where our Lady Secunda is gone to now? Go into your senior lady's court and look for her. Tan Chun answered. Hearing this, Xiao Hong was proceeding immediately towards the Daoshang village, when she caught sight just ahead of her of Qing Wen, Qi Sha, Bi Hen, Qiu Wen, She Yu, Qi Shu, Yu Hua, Ying Er, and some other girls coming towards her in a group. The moment Qing Wen saw Xiao Hong, she called out to her. Are you gone clean off your head? She exclaimed. You don't water the flowers, nor feed the birds, or prepare the tea stove, but get about outside. Yesterday, replied Xiao Hong, 
Mr. Secundus told me that there was no need for me to water the flowers today, that it was enough if they were watered every other day. As for the birds, you are still in the arms of Morpheus, sister, when I give them their food. And what about the tea stove? In the post, Bi Hen. Today, retorted Xiao Hong, is not my turn on duty, so don't ask me whether there be any tea or not. Did you listen to that mouth of hers? cried Qi Xia. But don't you girls speak to her? Let her stroll about and have done. You better all go and ask whether I've been getting about or not, continued Xiao Hong. Our Lady Secunda has just bidden me go and deliver a message and fetch something. Saying this, she raised the purse and let them see it. And they, finding they could hit upon nothing more to taunt her with, trudged along onwards. Ching Wen smiled a sarcastic smile. How funny, she cried. Lo, she climbs up a high branch and doesn't condescend to look at any one of us. All she told her must have been just some word or two. Who knows? But is it likely that Our Lady has the least notion of her name or surname that she rides such a high horse and behaves in this manner? What credit is it in having been sent on a trifling errand like this? Will we, by and by, pray, hear anything more about you? If you've got any gumption, you'd better scatter out of this garden this very day. For, mind, it's only if you manage to hold your lofty perch for any length of time that you can be thought something of. As she derided her, she continued on her way. During this while, Xiao Hong listened to her, but as she did not find it a suitable moment to retaliate, she felt constrained to suppress her resentment and go in search of Lady Feng. End of section 5